I don't. Oh, yep. Now it is. Okay. Yep. Welcome. Do you better believe it? Uh, we're back to actually talking about legit weeb shit. We're going to be doing a four episode review of the first season of One Punch Man. Good Lord, Nate Rigoli. What's going on in One Punch Man? Um, uh, probably the best uh, anime series that I've ever seen in my life is what's going on in this in this show. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if we're going to be able to do four episodes where we talk about anything other than how continually awesome it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like it's like my favorite new thing. I've watched I think I've watched half of the first season already just because I couldn't stop watching it. Okay, and, so uh, you're well, let me think. So you've gotten to the part with the ninja and everything then? Because I think that's like the next episode. Yeah, I got to the part with the uh, with the ninja. I don't, I don't want to go too far on stuff, but I mean, I've gone through uh, I've gone through him taking uh, the exams to get into okay, uh, yeah. like superhero club <laughs> um, and everything else. Um, and it's just it, it's just phenomenal top to bottom. I, I swear, like I'm so happy to be watching it. <laughs> I, I uh, have seen this whole first season, but I saw it with, like, a girl that I was seeing, and I realized I didn't pay that much attention to it, because we watched it at her place. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, you were yeah, there yeah. for different reasons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but sh- so, let's start out, like, are you familiar with this show at all, prior to awesome. watching it? Uh, no, I mean, so, basically, my... One of my other friends, uh, who I met up, I met up with for for drinks and wings like two weeks ago, said, "Hey, you got to watch this show." And I was like, "Oh, that would be perfect for us to do on on Beweebit because it sounded interesting." And then I watched one. I was like, "Oh shit, it's it actually is really good." <laughs> like, um, so that's all I've got. Yeah. So like, it starts out like the tropiest anime, and it does revel in the tropes, but I think like. While poking fun at it, it still genuinely enjoys them. Like you can tell that, like it's you know it's a satire, but it's something that like the like a lot of good satires. It actually is a uh, fond of the thing it's poking fun at, like yeah, Edgar, it's a, oh, it's a very, Edgar Wright c- kind of thing. Yeah, it's a very loving satire. I mean, it, you're you were opening on him just kind of fighting a procession of uh, monstrous dudes who are all villains. Yeah, it's a it's a literal monster of the week show, but yeah. it's not about that at all. Because all the fights and all the action is so anticlimactic that it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, I, I mean that was the thing that caught me right away. Because um, what in that first episode? So yeah, in the first episode he he punches through like three or four dudes back to back to back, yawning and kind of depressed that it's too easy. Yeah. And then we flash back to his origin story. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, because it, it's got that kind of like typical, uh, we'll probably all use the word a lot because I, I like it, that Japanese salaryman ennui, you know what I mean? Like he needs a job, but like he's he's wandering around just aimless, but in like a full like Mormon missionary white shirt, black tie, kind of like that uh, that young Japanese working man uniform. Yes. Yes, yes, like the one, uh, what was the, oh, like, like all the characters in, um, ah, crap, the, the one that we both, the, that you really liked a lot and we both liked, uh, that was kind of punk. Oh, uh, Dead Leaves. Yeah, all the people in Dead Leaves that aren't the main two characters are dressed this same way. Yes. Um, kind of by the by, but still in relation to this, did you see... I think they put it out in an article recently. I saw that the rate of suicide among Japanese men, like our age of that kind of a business age is like absurd. It's like 70 a day or something. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think, I think I'd heard something like that, that just it's, it is such an aimless and constant, uh, effort existence with no real purpose. I mean, the birth rate in Japan is negative. I think. Yeah. I mean, you could buy a a house right now for like, legitimately a couple thousand dollars let's do that let's do (laughs) other than the suicide part it sounds pretty good yeah like (laughs) it's it's an interesting place but um that's kind of that's kind of what grounds the characters it's like this lack of purpose yeah 
Yeah, it's this. It, it is as you texted. It's like you said. You sent me a text after watching this that said, "Ennui is my favorite emotion." Yeah. Uh, and and that's the thing, right? Like this this show, like this the main character whose name is Saitama, uh, is basically just you know he's ennui personified, but. I mean, it's a very like Gen X like I know we're depending on how you um you differentiate like the age ranges but I think we're like right at the tail end of Gen X and I think like ennui is our like cultural emotion. Going back to like shit like those I'm not a big fan of them, I don't know if you are like the Douglas Copeland books like Generation X and Girlfriend in a Coma and stuff like that up through Fight Club that like lack of purpose is Yeah, I've been I, God, what book is this? It was some. It was some like everybody's working in an office book, like Jayland or something. Sure, I can't remember, but I was a Douglas Copeland book. That yeah, it's all about a main character who's totally bored with everything. Uh, and it and it really is. It's about. I mean, this whole show ultimately becomes about bureaucracies being everywhere, and and how uh, limiting that is. Which I think is very cool, and also uh, uh, being annoyed by enthusiasm. Oh yeah, well, because people shouldn't be that psyched up, and that, yeah. I think that's the funniest thing about all of the all of the villains, all of the monsters of the week are extremely enthusiastic about being evil. <laughs> yeah, and Saitama's extremely like, eh, okay, whatever, you're in my way again, like. I feel like Saitama's my spirit animal because you know when we talk about editing and stuff, where he's just like, keep it under twenty words, <laughs> like. Yes, when he, um, cause you you saw the episode where he he meets the the robot, the android kid, right? Yeah, Genus, Genos. Is that the third Genus. one or something? Uh, it's the second one. Second one, okay. Yeah, cause uh, yeah, cause cause he asks Saitama asks him for his backstory, and he just goes on and on and on in a way that is very uh, a, a very nice homage to the way a lot of anime lays out exposition traditionally but he cuts him off and he's like no <laughs> you have to keep this to yeah 20 words or less like you said i mean it was uh just so funny the vocal performances especially between those two are so fucking hysterical like the just the cyborg how he's getting into his origin and he just like his cadence keeps picking up and like it the the sentences and like obviously i don't understand the language but are getting more and more complex and faster and faster and like you're yeah. wondering at first, I'm like, is that just how that language functions? And you, then it cuts to Saitama, and he is just like, just completely over it before he finally boils over. Yeah. Did you? Are you listening to the? Uh, are you watching the the sub then? Yeah, I don't. Is there? I don't even know if there's a dub available. I watched it on Netflix, and it was subs okay. only. There's there's a dub on Hulu for season one. Okay. And that's what I watched. Um. And and what I gotta say is like it's 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 dubbed really well. Okay. Voice acting is awesome, and all these jokes carry through perfectly. Like exactly what you said happened in the English version. He just keep you know it keeps doing this. It's ratcheting up the the narrative tension on adding more and more stuff, and he's talking faster about his journey to become the strongest uh, android warrior so that he can fight the evil robot that decimated blah blah blah. And yeah. And then, boom, shut up. The, yeah, and we're probably not going to talk about this, like, sequentially, because really, at least, like, the first three episodes, which is what we're going to focus on primarily, are just monster of the week with, like, a little bit of backstory. I, like, I enjoy, and this is something that, speaking of Dead Leaves, they kind of went with, like, the lack of backstory or the very simple kind of, like, throwaway backstory when you're expecting oh, yeah. this I, big, I, yeah. I, yeah, because I love, I mean, and, and when I think we've got to go a bit further in before we find out uh, how Saitama got his powers. Yeah. Um, so I, I won't spoil that now, uh, but it's hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 this this opens like in Media Res, he's fighting a guy named Vaccine Man. <laughs> who's that? Like all, all the villains have hilarious names. Yeah. Uh, in the in the dub, at least especially. Well, no, um, I think they're the same. Okay, cool. And he just like, boom, one punch kills the guy. Uh, and then we flash back to which the Saitama's like 
becoming a hero story with Crablante. Yeah. <laughs> who, the the villain who he fights to get into this is he is that he's that listless that he's that listless like middle management you know guy looking for a job and he comes upon this giant dude with human with like ripped human legs wearing tidy whities and he has a crab body from the waist up yeah who claims that he became this way from eating too much crab. Yeah, and then gonna and go. He's, yeah, he's looking for a very specific boy with a big chin who drew nipples on him with a marker. Yeah, and they and he can't wash the nipples off. No, and that's, and that's the beef to begin this. Well, it's funny. It's not even that he can't wash them off. It's he can't use a towel because now he has crab claws. Oh yeah. <laughs> God, it's just yeah. So uh, yeah, so you know, Saitama basically ignores this, but then he finds this kid who has a hilarious like. Super ball chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's hanging out and yeah, and he intervenes in this attack and manages to just horrifically rip Crablante's eyeball and all of his viscera out through one of his sockets. Oh, and everything is like dead alive levels gory. Like when there's a hole punched in somebody, it's like hours of viscera just, you know, like volcanoing through whatever hole it is. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it's played, it's timed perfectly for comedic effect. Like, this is, this is taking everything that happened uh, in that, in that other movie we watched. I'm having a terrible memory today. Um, what's the one where everybody, like, got hit and then exploded two minutes later? Oh, uh, Fist of the North Star. Yeah, so it's making, it's paying homage to Fist of the North Star here, too, with this just big gore that yeah. happens on each one of these things. And um, the the gigantic grotesque muscular monsters yeah now saitama is this very small skinny completely bald guy yeah and apparently he lost his hair from training so hard yeah he worked out so hard all his hair fell out yeah (laughs) her thought was just great too because uh, his baldness, his baldness comes into a later episode as being a reason why people are skeptical about him yeah because he's young and bald yeah I guess the shaved head thing hasn't caught on over there or hadn't at the time of uh, making this, because this is also based on a manga, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it's just... Yeah. He basically, like, decides that day after beating up the crab guy to train and he's going to be a hero because he wants to be, because it's the first time he's actually felt alive at all. So he goes to do this, and then we sort of rejoin him in the present where he's once again completely bored with being a hero because yeah. everything's too easy. Yeah, if if you hadn't got it from us just talking about it or the title of it, literally, like, he can defeat anybody with one punch. That's and he, it. And they explode in viscera when he punches them that one time. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so then he gets the Brain and Brawn brothers show up. Uh the one guy just wanted to be the strongest person in Japan, so he's just constantly on like a fucking um like a boat flex. It's actually yeah. kind of like the uh, the Drago training montage from Rocky Four. Like yeah. there's like a couple direct references in there, like the the kind of the the chest fly machine, the one arm with all the diodes and stuff. That that yeah, that I uh, thank you for placing that because I was gonna ask like it looked familiar to me. Um, yeah, this so you got and 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 this is hilarious too. So uh, these Brain and Brawn brothers, the Brawn guy's just like working out all the time. The Brain brother is like giving him all these experimental injections and shit until finally he gives him one that causes him to grow to like I don't know, 80 feet tall. Something absurd where he is he is Godzilla size. It's a drinkable steroid that he has uh, added strawberry flavor to. <laughs> That's right. And and they they are like marching around the city, crushing shit. Um, and and then Saitama gets on the Brawn brother's shoulder because the the Brain brother is still human size and he's riding his giant brother around, right? Cackling like a mad scientist. Saitama shows up. The Brain brother is like, "Hey, kill that guy on your shoulder!" And then he immediately 
<laughs> Braun immediately smashes his brother to death with his hand. <laughs> and then notices, like, oh, whoops. And he starts having an emotional breakdown. And then Saitama quickly dispatches him. It's just, I just love how, uh, I love how matter-of-factly and unapologetically this show does what it's doing. Like, it doesn't, you know, it didn't try to make us feel anything about anybody. It's just like, you get it. This is what we're doing. And yeah, I love, it, I love it's that. It's so absurd. Like, it's, the villains are playing everything so, like, dramatic and these huge, like, you know, these characters are basically alive for three minutes, have these fucking just gigantic backstories. And they're, like, really, like, arch and screaming at the sky. And and then they just get punched and they explode. Yeah, and and uh, one of them per episode gets to speak as an in-credit uh, lead-in to the next episode. Yeah. They get to live on. Um, uh, yeah, so this goes on to... Uh, so then Saitama, basically, after killing that guy, is really bored, so he goes to sleep, and he has a dream about these, like, mole people, like chuds, who are going to show up <laughs> and fight him. And finally, the lead chud is going to give him the challenge that he's been seeking, and right. he wakes up, and they actually come out of the ground. And uh, and then he just easily dispatches all of them without any without any issue, and he's back to being bored. <laughs> <laughs> and that's episode one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the second one, we meet we meet Genos the cyborg, uh, who's tracking this mutant called Mosquito Girl. Yeah, the because there's a... opens... yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah, but the episode is it's funny because the episode opens with a newscast saying like, hey. Big swarms of mosquitoes, watch out, it's deadly. And Saitama's hanging out in his apartment, which he has like a tiny studio apartment, like mattress on the floor. He's just like eating rice or noodles or something. And a mosquito starts buzzing around the house. Is so, there, in the dub, does the newscaster at the end of the report go, well, yeah, but it's a new species, so I actually don't know anything about it. And then it cuts? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened, because I remember like... <laughs> So, but yeah, so then uh, Saitama's just like, oh, whatever, mosquitoes, no big deal. And he's just trying to get one individual mosquito in his apartment. And then we cut to this cyborg kid who uh, finds a field full of, like, dead cattle that have, they're all desiccated. They've been drained. Um, and he's following into this, this path into the city. And so you've got this, uh, you, for the first time we have in Genos a character who is a self-serious hero on the level of the self-seriousness of the villains that we'd previously seen. He's also so earnest, it's hysterical. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's genuinely, he's like any, he's like every sidekick from every anime and a lot of shows that were like those weird action shows on the WB in the 90s. Yeah. Just somebody who's like, I just really need someone to give me a shot to train me, sir. Like, just help, let me help you. It's, it's adorable. (laughs) He, he wants to learn the secrets of his power so badly. Even though this cyborg is like the most advanced thing on Earth. It's like an Iron Man suit, basically. Yeah, he shoots. He's got like blasts out of his out of his palms that he can shoot. He can fly. He seems almost completely indestructible. Because even when he gets trashed by Mosquito Girl, he's still alive. And he's constantly getting like obliterated. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the battle then that happens with Mosquito Girl, and Mosquito Girl is like as uh, exaggerated anime female as possible in yeah, she, character she's, design. She's doing the um, the Mae West by way of Uma Thurman, Poison Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the, what the actress sounded like in the dub, but that was kind of the impression I got from the subtitles. She sounded a lot like uh, the female member of Team Rocket from Pokemon. Oh, so like super high-pitched? Very shrill and very yeah. like, I'm gonna get you. Ah! <laughs> like, right. It was, but and yeah, and she's just. I mean, her character design is is all over the place with proportions too. So she's like just wild. Um. So yeah. So she's got this huge thing of mosquitoes, and the mosquitoes are like draining people and stuff, and she gets uh, superpowers from that. Uh, and that's when kind of Saitama stumbles into the fight and then just basically, like, obliterates her, which leaves this huge blood splatter across the face <laughs> of the building. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then, Gen- and, and then Genos is like, well, you know, 
uh, I have to tell you about my past. You're amazing. I, I want to follow you because you're you're a real hero and I'm just training to be a hero. And then he goes rambling on as we talked about already. Oh, yeah. And this scene goes on for like minutes and it's just him like <laughs> like not breathing, just rattling off everything that's ever happened to him. Yeah, just one one fact. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then we get a couple of new mutants that are uh, there's like a mutant frog and a mutant uh, I can't remember what the other one oh, was. There's like a gorilla. Still, yeah, and there was a mutant gorilla and a mutant lion. Yeah, and there's a um with the the ground dragon which is like a like a big anime prairie dog. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look anything like anything else in this show. It looks like one of those like what is it pushing those fat cat stickers? Yes, yeah, totally. And he just kind of, well, no, he still gets killed. He just tries yeah. to, and he gets <laughs> obliterated. But yeah, so you get this, you get another, like, hilarious thing where Saitama's basically only mad because they, like, broke through his ceiling yeah. into his apartment because they want to start a fight with him, too. And he goes outside, and, like, you you see the, this, like, snail and frog person, and the frog's wearing, like flip-flops and shorts (laughs) and they're talking about like oh well this can't be going well because whatever and then we quick cut and they're completely both upside down with their heads crammed into the ground like two feet into concrete yeah (laughs) and the whole you know uh, i think genos is like i'll get the other two and he goes over they're all exploded like tom was like pay for my ceiling it's like (laughs) the paint my fence thing (laughs) and uh and yeah, and then you get this showdown with the lion, who is like the leader, the the strongest of the mutants that's gonna fight him. And as as it did in the uh, first episode, the battle doesn't last very long at all, and the lion is immediately just completely eviscerated and destroyed. Um, yeah. So yeah. again, after a four minute monologue about how strong he is. Yeah. How about it? No one will defeat me, and I am the <laughs> I am the most talented of the warriors of the House of Evolution. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because they want to capture him, I guess, to study or something. Yeah. But doesn't doesn't pan out for them. So only the armored gorilla remains alive. And uh, in in uh, exchange for not being killed himself, he agrees to answer some of their questions, which we start to answer, and then the episode ends. Yeah. And, uh, like, it does have, like, a hysterical, like, kind of a sing-songy end credits... Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's a very, like, uh, adult contemporary Japanese pop song over a lot of watercolors of the different locations from the show. Yeah. It ends, like, um again, like Fist of the North Star with that weird, like, fucking flower singing ending. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this this show is just so good. Um the the third episode is about the scientist Dr. Genus who started the House of Evolution yeah. uh, because he wanted to make humanity jump to the next level. So he cloned himself like hundreds of times. So there are lots of versions of him running around this facility. And then he basically just grows a bunch of weird uh, human-animal hybrids to make warriors out of them. Yeah, he's like the, the high evolutionary from the old Marvel comics. Yeah, he uh, he's yeah. It's it's like uh, the mother from I Am Mother if she weren't a robot. Oh, you saw that? I watched it this weekend after I listened to you guys okay, talk about let's, it on the other show. All right, let's talk about it after this. Cool. Okay. Um. So yeah. So they they uh basically they're uh, all the people at this uh house of uh, evolution, all the doctors genus are like freaked that all of their creations were so easily wasted by Saitama. So they, I guess, decide to use Carnage Kabuto, which is this big dude that's, like, maybe part rhinoceros or something. Yeah. He's, like, rhinoceros or, like, uh, like whatever beetle that is that's got the big horn on it. I, I don't know what he is exactly. But he's, like, uh, he's like your quintessential, uh, completely off-his-nut villain from anime. Yeah. Where well, he's, he's so dangerous. Like, he's, like, constantly killing the clones of the Doctor. <laughs> Yeah, they, like, come in to feed him, and he just, like, smashes one, and that's it. Uh, oh, I forgot yeah. that the setup for this episode is Saitama's annoyed because, like, 
he's really thrifty, and I guess they have it once a week. They have a big sale at the grocery store. Oh yeah, that's right. Which which pays off so beautifully at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, Genus in uh, uh, Genos ends up getting in there to try to fight Kabuto, but Kabuto trashes him. So our our new android buddy is is like nearly dead. But yeah. Uh, well, he gets uh. So I forget what this set. Well, no, we're missing a couple beats. So when they arrive at the the evolutionary building, the, the Genos the cyborg obliterates it with this like repulsor blast, and Saitama's oh, yeah. like where did all that come from? And he's like, well, I just thought it'd be easier if we just killed everybody. And he's like, I mean, we could ask him some questions. And then he looks over at the, like the smoldering ruin. He's like, that was kind of mean. I don't know <laughs> what it says in the dub, but if hopefully it's the same. Yeah, no, I think that's what it was. Cause he, cause there's basically like this huge, uh, cement tower. That's like the office tower that leads into what I believe is an inside a mountain facility. Yeah. But yeah, he just trashes that, and it's just yeah, uh, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of people killed. Yeah, it's the building like, looks like I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like the seed vault that's in like Norway or wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, um, which I I would assume that that was what they were they must have been doing that because I knew that looked familiar too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, so they, <laughs> Geno's blows the thing up. They go in there. He gets in a fight with Carnage Kabuto, gets beaten pretty pretty handily. He's kind of like torn apart and arm ripped off and all sorts of stuff. Also, um, he gets like I forget what happens, but he gets a hole in the top of his head and like whatever stuffing is in there blows out like a gigantic afro. Oh yeah, I thought some I thought for some reason that was like a static electricity response. Oh, was that what it was? Okay. I, I don't know because it was just yeah because suddenly he had like a big a big blonde fro instead of blonde spiky hair. Yeah, he looked like a, a fucking oh I can't think of his name. Never mind, basketball it's, player from the seventies. But yeah, and then Saitama's just like, uh, <laughs> 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 which is funny because it's like the most genuine reaction of surprise he's had so yeah. far in the whole show. Um, but yeah, so then Saitama's like, okay, well, I'll fight you, Carnage Kabuto. And as they, as he gets, like, close, suddenly Carnage Kabuto, like, has a panic attack. Because yeah. he realizes how powerful Saitama is. Well, he also, well, I, he has to go into his bloodlust mode, which lasts exactly one week. Oh, that's right. Yes. He goes and, into his bloodlust mode, and he says... <laughs> I'm going to go into my bloodlust mode, which will last one week from today. So we'll end next Saturday. Yeah. Which Saitama, prompts... that's what finally like sets him off. Because Saitama's like, oh, Saturday. If it's a week from Saturday, that means today is Saturday. And that means today is discount day at the grocery store. <laughs> so he just like one punches Carnage Kabuto. Boom, explosion. And then he punches a giant hole in the outside of the facility. And... And Genos is like, well, sir, the market doesn't close for three hours. If we leave right now, we'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> we can make it in time. So it's like, oh, yeah, great. And yeah, they run off. Yeah, and Genos is all fucked up. Yeah. Oh, I think there's a point because he gets smashed into a wall earlier. And he's like, you turned my friend into modern art. Yeah. <laughs> there's also, I don't know if it's in the dub, but there's also a kind of funny bit where – um. They're like the Dr. Genus is interested in your body and he's, he's like he just looks at him and he's like I'm not interested in dudes. <laughs> what the the other thing that we skipped over here that's very important is uh, uh you know Kabuto and Genus demand to know and Genos oh, yeah. want to know how Saitama got so powerful. Yeah, and, and so Saitama's like, well, uh, you know, after I fought Crab Lante, I decided to start my my training regimen. So I do 100 push-ups, 100 squats, 100 <laughs> sit-ups, and I run 10 kilometers a day every day. And I've been doing that for three years. And that's and all his hair fell out. <laughs> all my hair fell out from training. And Genos is like, that's that's not even very much. That's a pretty standard introductory workout there's no way that's why you're so strong anticlimactic it's hysterical it's perfect 
Because everyone is so astonished. They're, like, upset that he's so powerful and he's not doing anything special. Yeah, because everybody else is some kind of scientific abomination freak. (laughs) You're like, you you have genetically engineered super mutant warriors, you have a cyborg, and then you have a guy who does push-ups and sit-ups and squats. Yeah. He does, like, an old-school, like, uh, like Jack LaLanne workout every day. Thank you for it. Jack LaLanne's going to come up on <laughs> this week's A Vague Idea episode. Okay. Let's see if anybody else knows about him, because I was like, that's, yeah. Um, it also, this this One Punch Man workout has prompted me to start doing the same thing. Oh, right I'm not on. up to 100 of everything yet, but I've been doing, like, 30 to 40 every morning of each. Well, don't, 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 don't overdo it, because you got a good head of hair. I know, I know. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna overdo it. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to hold on to what I've got. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the thing. This is, this is this show. They, they run off to go to the grocery store, and Doctor Genus decides to abandon his research entirely because someone can do push-ups, sit-ups, and squats, and it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Like that's that's the end result of like every episode. Is nothing really matters. Yeah, every everybody ultimately is just like, oh wow. So this this one punch man destroys everything that I okay I I give up I quit. Yeah. It's just um, like the, it's like the inevitability of entropy. <laughs> um. So yeah, I that's the first three. Unless you want to talk about the fourth one. I didn't really watch it, but we can talk about it a little bit. I, you know, jog my memory a little. Is this where, uh, what the hell is that ninja's name? It's something Sonic. Speed of Sound Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> Which they, they remark multiple times on the redundancy of that name. <laughs> so this is, this is one where uh, a criminal named Hammerhead forms a group of terrorists called the Paradisers that are demanding free goods for the unemployed. Yeah, and they're targeting a local business magnate using these stolen enhancement suits, and they're all bald. Right. So this causes uh, this causes Saitama problems because now everybody thinks he's a terrorist because he's also bald. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I mean, yeah, I don't know if we mentioned this too, but like part of the reason this show is so great is because Saitama's just kind of a dope. Yeah, he's so well, and and what I like too is okay because this the show does something that anime does pretty frequently, which is the the Character model and animation style will change dramatically between scenes depending on the context. Yeah. So like sometimes in action sequences, Saitama will look like a like badass, like almost extra worldly sort of guy. Oh yeah, but cape then, flowing in the wind, like his jaw becomes more angular, like Yeah, like it's just a totally different and he's like shaded differently and everything. He's more detailed, whereas generally speaking, he's just kind of a skinny average heighted guy in like not an ill-fitting but a not super flattering yellow jumpsuit yeah (laughs) and a red cape and and because his usual head model is just like an oval with with eyes like there's not a lot to him he looks like charlie brown he does yes he does charlie brown (laughs) so yeah so you got this going on um the the Another hero who I guess we we find out later is like a class C superhero. Yeah. But yeah. his name is the Moomin Rider, which is a reference to some other kind of guy, but it's just this dude who rides up on a bike wearing like bike shorts and a bike helmet. I assume it's a reference to Common Rider, which was like I think over here called Mask Rider, but I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um so yeah, he rides up. He he tries to take out Hammerhead, but uh, they crush him very quickly. Uh, but then uh, Speed of Sound Sonic shows up to deal with some of Hammerhead's men, uh, and yeah, and this and this fight ultimately comes down to uh, let's see. So Sonic believes Saitama is one of the bad guys because of the baldness, which is just the running gag of the episode. So they get in a fight. But but then Saitama accidentally beats. Yeah, Saitama accidentally almost kills Sonic because he Sonic like jumps at him and comes down and like lands his crotch right on Saitama's fist. Right. It's not even a punch, but it's enough that it like throws him across the room. 
And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. You, you you ran right into my fist. I wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> so, so Speed of Sound Sonic runs away, but declares that they are eternal rivals, which is great because he shows up in an episode later in the season two. And it's just so, so great having like this very arch, completely like revenge driven, but absurdist. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's always a great storytelling device when every and. I'm struggling to think of something else that does this, but when everything is like so off the wall except for one person, it's kind of it's like the Frank Grimes thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's there's there's one character who is just sort of rooted in maybe the way we would respond to things being absurd. Like this is well, this is nuts. Like look yeah. at this crap. <laughs> but everybody else is very into where they are. Yeah, even to the extent that. When the Moomin Rider shows up and he gets defeated, this huge crowd of people is, like, terrified (laughs) that this man in bike shorts wearing a bike helmet can't beat up, like, ten guys wearing power suits. Well, that's something Uh, I guess we'll kind of delve into a little bit later in the series, is that they are, like, official, like, heroes. That's, like, their profession. Yeah. Yeah, because that's how – and I'll just – I'll wrap up the – brief description of the fourth episode and we can come back and talk about it more um next time but yeah so this this one ends with you know saitama uh basically is like hey hammerhead you got to stop this and whatever and he like nearly kills him but doesn't but he trashes all of his guys and he's like hey i don't do this to be popular i do it because i like it and then uh and then saitama's basically like wins but doesn't get any recognition for it and then Genos is like, you should join the Hero Association. So, yeah, so yeah. people will actually recognize you as a hero. And he's like, oh, interesting. And suddenly we have, in, and I, I just got to say, like, for, for a show that is so, like, over the top and it's serving comedy and it's serving homage and it's serving all those <laughs> things, like, in four episodes we have, we have done an incredible arc with no wasted time yeah. of any kind. Like, now we know exactly what's going on going to the fifth episode. Oh, there's an organization of heroes, which means, of course, Saitama's not going to do well there because he doesn't care about anything. And it's perfect. Yeah, bureaucracy in Japan must be even more, like, fucking, like, Byzantine than it is here. Like, because it seems like a lot of the stuff we talk about focuses heavily on bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah, that seems to be the thing. And I kind of... uh, I hope that after we, you know, after we go through this first season of this show, that we can hop into, uh, I, I was kind of thinking we could check out something that's a little more on the cutesy end of anime. Yeah. Like, more in the kind of uh, Hello Kitty range of style, not necessarily that. And I can't remember which one I was thinking of, but I was like, we should try something like that. Look up a, to a totally different audience. When we get off the phone, look up, it's called... I think it's called Fooly Cooly, but the, it's just written as F L C L. Okay. Look that up when you get a minute, and because I think it might be something you'd want to talk about. Cool. Um. Yeah. So, do you want to? I mean, I I would just say immediately like those first three to four episodes of One Punch Man are a ten easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm never going to stop watching this show. Uh, I'm gonna wait until. The rest of season two comes out and we get a, a, a dub version uh, so I can continue kind of the path I'm on. But I, I, I should check the sub out, too, just to see what it's like as a as a difference. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. Do you want to talk about I mean, what did you think? You're 10. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. It's a it's like one of the funnier shows I've seen. It's, like, it's genuinely funny, yeah. Like it's and it's not just funny from a oh I'm appreciating anime sort of way. I mean I guess it kind of is. Like maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but I feel like it's the sort of show where if you go in with an open mind to watch it, like you couldn't help but laugh at most of this stuff because it's just so the timing is so perfect, the writing is so simple. Like it's not it's not complicated humor. It's just humor that is so built on good surprises and quality subversion of expectations well like, and it's the same joke over and over again but it doesn't get old yeah because they well because they keep applying it in different ways which yeah is great i mean I, I love that they're able to do that so well it's also like the the melodrama that we've gone through with some of the other stuff we've watched i think really kind of helps us appreciate this more too 
I yeah, I think so too. I think we really by by watching stuff like Fist of the North Star and a lot of a lot of what we've seen, um, you know, I really do think we've primed ourselves for this experience because we we've seen the ways that these like insanely arch melodramatic self serious villains populate these stories when they're taken in a more like well this is just a straight situation that's happening you know yeah the the wind call amnesia like the people in that very much like the people in this i forgot a hundred percent about that until you just mentioned it just now right it i it just sprang back to me which is funny because amnesia yeah <laughs> yeah time's a flat circle <laughs> but yeah, like I, I highly recommend it. You said it, you watched it on Hulu. It's also available on Netflix. Like, uh, I'm curious about the comic book because I don't know how funny it would be without kind of like the extended motion of the gags. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I agree. I think I think uh, it, it's probably got a completely different sort of vibe. Like it could still be funny, but it would be, you know. It, it just it has to be in it for context because you can it's it's easy to you know what anime is so you make an anime that is sort of uh, poking fun at anime and if you know what comic if you know what like if there's a standard manga format maybe that would be the thing for us in translation like or or at least for me like I haven't read a lot of manga so maybe if I tried reading that I wouldn't pick up on the subtleties that they're doing to make right. those jokes work um, but yeah yeah this is great uh, and we should yeah we'll talk about the next uh, three to four episodes on the next show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about I Am Mother, because... So you guys really liked it? Yeah, you, a... you didn't. No, I did. I okay. Did. Um, you know, the only the only thought I had was that uh, I kind of, like... I kind of knew what was up about 20 minutes in. Yeah, I mentioned it on the show, and TJ disagreed with me, but he was also, like, shit-faced. Um, that, like, I couldn't really see it coming, but I thought it was, like, a a really, like, I don't think they were trying to surprise you that much. Yeah, no. I don't think, I, I think the, the real turn is the, is the way that Hilary Swank's character goes at the end. Oh, yeah, well, let's that, spoil, let's spoil it. Uh, spoilers for this, because I want to talk about the ending when you spoilers get to Spoilers for Ryan Mother. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about it the other show. The kind of long con that basically Mother kept Hillary Swank alive just so any kid that made it would reject the human world is fucking dark. Yeah, yeah, and the and the way that uh, the way that the uh, one of the sort of ancillary droids that Mother can populate because Mother is ultimately this all powerful super AI that is everywhere. Yeah, uh, she's Skynet. Shows up at Hillary Swank's uh, storage container house and is like, hey, well, maybe maybe there was a use for you and that's why you lasted this long. And then we cut to the outside and you don't hear a gunshot or anything, but it's pretty clear that yeah. like, boom, you're done. You served your purpose. Your purpose was to show up to show that other humans are too agitated and awful. And that's and I think that's the thing that was good about the story, because I really I and. The acting in the movie is fantastic. The 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 girl that plays the lead, uh, that plays daughter, really yeah. good. Like oh, really yeah. impressive in every in everything she's in. Um, but yeah, there were just things like uh, you know after Hillary Swank shows up, you know that there's this conflict between you know uh, you have no reason to believe that she's reacting weird to robots because of some elaborate lie. So it's like, okay, well, the robots definitely did something. Yeah. Of course. Like, that makes sense. Well, also, like, I don't know if I mentioned it on the other show, the movie trades on your knowledge of AI and fiction. You know what I yeah. mean? So, like, yeah, yeah. you're immediately distrustful of it just because of your prior experience. Yeah, it assumes that you just know, like, hey, computers, when they're this smarter, they're going to be bad. They're just always yeah. evil. Um, and that's the thing is, is like, because Ro it's Rose Byrne who does the voice of Mother. Yes. Yeah. And she does a phenomenal job. I know you guys talked about that on, on, on Movie the Podcast, too. But her, her cadence and the way that she delivers everything, and it's kind of, it's in that sing-songy sort of way. Like, it's very soothing, but yeah. also, like, really menacing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's too, it's that, like, it's just too monotone. Like, you yeah. can't get a read on any emotion because it's soothing to a fault. Um, but, yeah, the, the, 
you know, the 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 moment when daughter finds like the uh, incinerated jawbone in the basement and yeah. realizes like, oh, I'm not the first kid. And one of these kids even got probably about my size before they were killed. Uh, and I was yeah. kind of like, OK, yeah, I, I pretty much expected that to happen because that's where this seemed to be going. Yeah, and I love that they brought the mouse into it, not only because it, it shows you that there's stuff going on outside you're not aware of, but it introduces the incinerator, so it becomes like a checkoff thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it, it was. It was perfect because it's so, you know, in, in the moment of it, that it's, it's horrifying for the viewer because you're like, oh, well, I needed another reason to mistrust this robot, and here she is killing this living thing without question. Like, she's basically like, nope. Uh, could have the disease that, yeah, no, the, you know, no curiosity whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. Just like, OK, well, this thing is alive and it got in and it shouldn't have. So I'm going to kill it because I don't want anything to happen to you. The end. Um, and yeah. And I mean, that you know, at that point, it's like it's telegraphed that, OK, this this situation isn't right. Something's up. And then we've got, you know, uh, basically the. Really, the movie picks up and becomes super interesting when Daughter leaves with Hilary Swank and you see the outside world, which I thought was a really great, great way to spend Act 3, where they're oh, actually yeah. out there in this world that is ash, but it's also being actively, like, replanted, like, uh, uh, whatever. I can't remember what that term is now when you're making a dead planet green. The terraformed. Yeah, being um, active terraform by like yeah. these giant like well, irrigation the, robots and stuff. I think Hillary Swank deserves a lot of credit for that performance just in total because she comes across as so unhinged that she also seems untrustworthy. Oh yeah, yeah, no, she's she's like way out of it. And, like, and especially because she she has this whole story of all these people in the cave or in the mine or whatever. And then they get out and immediately upon leaving and like getting away to her storage container, she's like, oh, none of those people are alive. Yeah. Like they were all starving and they were they were going to kill each other. They were going crazy with hunger. So it's just me. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's problematic because you probably should have been honest about this up front. Yeah. Well, it's uh, such a, a great reveal that, um, you know, when they get out there and the and I think this is an obvious nod to Skynet, but the hunter killer thing is flying and she's like, get down, don't let it see you. And then you find out it's just watering crops. Yeah. Yeah. That. Oh God. I mean, it was so that was the thing that was cool is it's like it's really a story about two types of sort of motherly deception operating yeah. in tandem on one person who doesn't know anything about anything. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. the. The the reason why Mother's such an effective character, like, and villain, I mean, if, you know, if you want to call it, like, just a straight-up villain, the same reason why Thanos is effective for the most part, like, in the later Avenger movies, because it genuinely believes it's doing what's right. Like, oh, you yeah. Get, you don't get any kind of, like, any inkling that the AI is not really trying to save its creator's and, like, you know, repropagate and make the best possible version they can be. Like, it, it doesn't have the... It's not like the Skynet thing just killing humanity just because, like, it's decided it's outdated or whatever. Like, there's, like, nurturing and care that goes into it, but it's so, like, cold and logical is what makes it so dark. Yeah, because it's not – I mean, in in total and utter contrast to the villains of One Punch Man, there is nothing arch or emotional about Mother at all. Yeah. Like, and, there's, and there's nothing even close to uh, – like, because the other, you know, you brought up Thanos, like, Ultron is basically an AI designed to protect humans who becomes evil because it decides humans are their own problem. Yeah. So I'm going to eradicate all life, and that will pr protect the Earth, which I think is really the only difference, is that Ultron was programmed to protect the Earth, which means getting rid of humans to do that. Yeah, well, the, the, the main difference between those two movies is that I Am Mother is great, and Age of Ultron sucks. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> I know I knew you said, like, revisiting it, you you, cared, you liked it a little bit better, but man, I didn't like that movie. It's not, I mean, it's, it's the weak, it's easily, like, it's the weakest Avenger movie, and it's one of the weakest Marvel movies, just because it doesn't, it rehashes stuff that we've already done, and it doesn't do a good job of it. Anyway, but yeah, you're uh, the yeah, I think that, you know, I really admired the the speech at the end of I Am Mother where she she just lays it out 
like, look, I was programmed to protect humanity. And human and and this reveal was the cool thing where she's like, and humanity was on a path to its own destruction, so I got rid of it so yeah. that we could start over. And like the it ultimately, even though like it's wrong, you know, as as we understand morality, the way it goes about it, it's not wrong in those parameters. Right. If, if 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 we assume that like it's like you know time divergent from our own like humanity from like right now. Yeah, I mean it, it. The movie the movie opens I think on a classroom scene where daughter is learning about like utilitarianism or some version some changed version of the trolley problem. That's like, look, you're a doctor. You're you have organs to save these five people, but you're also the only person who can put the organs in them. Yeah. So what do you do? And, yeah. and, and like that's and that's the crux of the whole movie is it's like, look, well, I can save people, but I can't do it without killing myself. So I have to let all of them die and start over. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And the and the fact that, uh, you know, the fact that daughter ends up. Really embracing her role as the new mother mm -hmm. and saying like, hey, you know, you you made me you raised me to do this. So let me do it. And that's really all that mother needs as a test is like, oh, you bought in You're yeah, on board with my with my reboot humanity plan. And I don't think it lends itself to you thinking, oh, well, the AI is just fooling her and it's going to come back later. Like, no, like you get that. It's like, OK, well, I've achieved my purpose and now it's time to move on to whatever whatever that means. It yeah, doesn't feel I mean, like a setup. No, I think the I think the the gruesome implication of it is that the the army of like AI robots are going to continue protecting the bunker, the facility, while she grows a bunch of embryos into children. Yeah. And while people start breeding and everything, and the robots are probably going to play a part in helping her to kill kids who don't get with the program. Which I think that's the great horror turn of the whole thing, is that this girl is going to choose to probably murder a lot of people that she raises yeah to serve this common good of not having anybody deviate from the path of valuing the long the long game and humanity over all else well yeah and it also starts to dabble pretty heavily in eugenics by the end of it too which is a dark subject yeah. in and of itself so yeah but no i mean it's the value of a simple well-told story you know what i mean like we talk about it a lot and it's just you know, the old uh, keep it simple, stupid. It's oh. it, it's amazing what you can do when you're just focused on, like, making a script or a story, like, as tight as possible and with as much motion as possible. Because, like, I think I talked about on the other show, this this setup has the potential to be, like, incredibly boring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, it's it's a beautiful looking movie that is basically a bottle episode for three quarters. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's active and propulsive the whole time because you've got this little mystery and you've got incredible acting going on and writing that never gives you too much. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I think it was always leading the way, but again, like, I don't, I don't think that was a bad thing. I think it was just sort of like, well, Hey, look, we're not going to pretend like the surprise is that the robot's bad because you're, you're waiting for that. Yeah. The surprise is going to be what the human becomes after being raised by the robot. Right. And that's that's cool. But yeah, I loved it. Like it'll probably, you know, at this point in the year with the movies I've seen, it's probably going to end up on my the top echelon of the movies that I saw this year. I I hope it makes a lot of lists because it is, I mean, for for as inexpensive as it was to make compared to other movies of its scope and for just how I mean, it's a really it's a really human story. And it's a really interesting – I know one of you guys mentioned on the other show that it's like – it's sort of the dark – shows the dark side of the matriarchy. Yeah, that was great. And it's, yeah. And well, it, that's it, what Grimbargo uh, – shout out to Laura. That's what that book's about. Yeah, I mean and, – and that's the thing that's so it, – it, it's compelling because it's it – Because really it's real. Like, hey, look, we go this entire other direction where it's not about might makes right and whoever's strongest survives and it's about – Everybody has to be good and treat each other nice or else. Yeah. And there's problems on either end of the spectrum. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things like this, you know, obviously you don't want a patriarchal society, but like the idea that if it just totally flip flop, that it would be somehow intrinsically better just because of that is really myopic. 
Yeah. Like everybody yeah. has the potential to be good and everybody has the potential to be bad. And like when it's, I think like the lack of diversity in general, when it comes to like uh, authority is a problem. So no matter what it is. Oh yeah. Cause it is, I mean, it's ultimately becomes a, an authoritarian dictatorship just right. under an AI that believes that the path is to uh, everybody being perfectly nice to each other and perfectly nice to the earth and perfectly nice to everything else. Which, yeah, so. it's uh, it's kind of like um, the Futurama episodes where the Santa bot shows up. Yeah. Everybody's fucking naughty. Except for Dr. Zoidberg. This Except for Zoidberg. Cool, pogo stick. <laughs> no, but I just, I, I don't feel like I've seen a lot of great movies yet this year. And, like, I feel like I saw a lot more last year. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think about what I've seen this year that's, like, from this year, other than Endgame, where I was like, wow, amazing. Captain Marvel was good. Yeah. I like Captain Marvel. It wasn't like, wow, wow. I mean, it wasn't as good as Endgame was, but it was a good movie. Um, And yeah, this. Like, this was great. I'm so glad you guys watched it and mentioned it, because I was like, oh, cool, I'll check this out. And then I was just watching that the other afternoon, and I was like, wow, this is great. Yeah, it's another one of those, like, whoever is curating Netflix has no idea, like, what they have sometimes you know what i mean it's like i don't feel like this got promoted at all yeah oh no uh do you uh, speaking of stuff on netflix that well they promoted this kind of but i don't know if you've watched it have you watched dead to me at all no i've heard people talk about it though i it it was really good i i i enjoyed it quite a bit and plus you know linda cardellini and christina applegate are, are both great actresses and a lot of fun so and Christina Applegate somehow keeps getting better looking as she gets older, which is bizarre. Yeah, she, like, I, I think it's, like, the baby face thing. Like, she she always kind of had, like, baby face, and she just, she's able to just keep thinning out and being, like, as she loses face fat, she just gets cuter. <laughs> I don't well, know. She also doesn't have, like, a horrific haircut, which is, like, the fucking downfall of a lot of women of that era. That's, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I just I don't feel like we've gotten it. Maybe they're out there and just haven't seen them, but we didn't get the sorry to bother you's and the apostles and you know what I mean. Yeah, but that's that's the thing with streaming. It's like dump everything out all at once. It's like I why don't you throttle it back a little bit so we have time to let some of this shit breathe because I it's so when you turn on Netflix especially it's so like inundated with fucking like original content from them that like I have. I don't even have time to parse through what they actually have, let alone watch all of it. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. Because you don't – you have – one thing we know is from experience that the original content is so extremely hit or miss that it's hard to like, should yeah. I take a chance on this or not? Yeah, because it's not like a real movie studio like at A24 where it's like, okay, there's a good chance, uh, better than, you know, better than not chance that like this movie is going to be something that speaks to me. Right. Yeah, and I mean Netflix is Netflix is like uh, they're they're throwing wads of really damp cash against the wall and yeah. see what sticks. Yeah, we'll see um, if they're, they're still around in five years after this Disney streaming service obliterates the universe. God, I hope they are, because otherwise, I mean, stuff like this is probably <laughs> the way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's I mean that's obviously where we're headed to this. Like, I was reading this article, and I don't want to like get way off topic because I'm sure we both got stuff to do. But, like, the fact that, like, cyberpunk is still popular is because we're still, like, in that era where we're on the verge of a cyberpunk apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, we haven't changed that much since the Reagan era. We're just kicking no. it down the road a little bit. We're we're in the Reagan era recursion right now. Yeah. Like, the, the blindfold on unapologetic, we can still do the 80s thing, don't worry about it mode. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the only other thing I would say, too, because you guys talked a little bit about Good Omens, I think. Yeah, which, they watched it. I didn't see it. Okay. I will recommend it to you also. Okay. Um, I've watched three episodes so far, and it really does. I got to say, like, it hits it hits his tone really well because um, it's kind of witty and cheeky and not super serious about itself, but it's not so off that it feels campy. Right. And I really like the way that they sort of lay uh, – lay the backstory groundwork around heaven and hell and all this other stuff too. Cause it's just kind of fun to see a story where it's kind of whimsical. It's like uh, one of the later Harry Potter movies and it's in its uh, like seriousness of tone, but it's not as childish in general. It's just sort of, I don't know. It's good. It's good okay. if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> I will check it out. 
On that note, um, next week, more One Punch Man and then whatever live shit we see between now and then. And that'll get you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more One Punch Man. This is going to be fun. And yeah, I'll look that other that other show up that you recommended, because I think just just from looking at a couple of screenshots here, I'm I'm in. I'm into the idea. It looks like it's a nice bridge between One Punch Man and and uh, another kind of more traditional anime vibe. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think you'll, you would definitely dig it. And it's short. I think it's only like six episodes. That's that's so easy. Great. Yeah. Oh, and we can talk about Love, Death, and Robots season two at some point. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can. We'll we'll do a silent survey and then decide if it's worth talking about at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm really, like, I don't know. That show lost me pretty quick. I know. I'm just hoping, I'm hoping for more, like, Three Robots-style things and more yogurt and more whatever. Like, if that stuff can happen, if they if they realized what worked and what didn't work, great. If they didn't, yeah. it's all over. Well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> There's that ennui that we love. Yeah. <laughs> All right, honey. All, All right. right. Talk to you later. Sounds good. Love you. Okay. Love you too. All right. Bye. Bye.